Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer in Portland and uh, various stations between Portland and Maryland where it then goes up on the Golf News Network, on, especially on iHeart. It's a 24-7 golf channel there now on iHeart. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way they intended or the way nature intended, I should say, and birdie ball. Uh, birdie ball's practice putting mats were voted uh, best mats in 2021 by My Golf Spy. So you can find out more about them on um, birdieball.com. Well, I've got two great people with me today, um, Bruce Furman and Sean Lanny. They're, they're both affiliated with the show. Uh, they both uh, have positions at Langdon Farms. And they're both really good guys. So good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Everything good out there in the golf world? Everything's good with me. I can't complain. I'm just glad to be back here to the beautiful Pacific Northwest. <laughs> well, you came back for the for the weather. You 87 get... degrees Friday. Yeah. It's going to be a great week. Yeah. We, uh. We 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 went from winter to to summer. We skipped spring this year. We yeah. do that a lot up here. I've noticed <laughs> over the years. Um, so I've got some topics, and these are these are not your usual. You know, how do I uh, hit a bump and run shot, or what's wrong with my swing? These are stuff that I've actually taken some time to search out. Uh, besides what people talk to me about. And so I want to get I want both of you to give me your take on this. I don't care which order you do it in, but um, these are some of them are pretty interesting questions. So here we go. Um, we'll start with Bruce. What's the best way to shake off the winter rust for those of us in the northern part of the country? Well, uh, since I'm uh, in the golf uh, instruction business, I would always say take a golf lesson. So. Uh, <laughs> When you go to practice and work on your game, you're working on the right stuff. Problem with golf is that uh, you can practice all you want, but if you're not working on the right stuff, you not only won't get better, but you might get worse. And then get your clubs fit, you know, right off yeah. the bat. Make sure you're playing with the right club so that you're uh, not fighting your equipment. Sure. Your thoughts, Sean? You know, love it. Obviously, establishing a game plan with somebody that can help you create a baseline for your improvement. So, mm -hmm. you know, Bruce's immediate response is 
go out and find somebody to trust and go out and, and get a, get a coach that you can build a plan around. Um, from T to green, you have an understanding of what you're trying to achieve and uh, ultimately practice with some sort of purpose from the early part of the season. And honestly, probably throw some new grips on your golf clubs at the very least. Cause I mean, Bruce, I don't know how many people you see, but the grips are like worn down. The thumb has been fraying a grip because they've been using the grip for the last six years. I mean, who, who really should have grips on their golf club for six years? I change my grips every three months, four months. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot, and that's your only connection to the golf club. Yeah, yeah. Those, those grips are actually form grips, you know, so once they play. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of illegal. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Um, when you're preparing for a new golf season, and us being from the Northwest, our golf season up here is a little slow on the uptick every year. Kind of after the Masters is when really things start you start seeing a lot of warm bodies when you're driving by the courses here, but when you're preparing for a new season, which is better or more practical for the average golfer, a short game lesson or two, including bunker play or a mid to long iron lesson. Go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. Go ahead. I went first last time. Yeah. You know what? I, I would definitely say that. And Bruce, you probably would agree with me because I've been around you for a long enough time, but a, a small swing skill is going to prepare a player to make a better full swing because all of that mini uh, swing feel is basically ingraining how the face moves to the ball, how the actual club head is moving down to contact. So I think there's a lot of merit to a player at the start of a new golf season just kind of cleaning up some of the chipping and pitching abilities. And then eventually, maybe, then they go see Bruce for that unbelievable full swing experience to really clean up their full swing and help them hit the, the golf ball a little bit more solidly and a little bit more straight. That's yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, the, uh, if you learn to pitch the ball properly, that's, uh, that's a precursor to, to developing a, a really good golf swing. So, uh, I'd start out everybody, you know, learning how to pitch the ball and I'd probably do it more, what we call pitching with the leading edge, like a Phil Mickelson does, where you're really hitting the shot very low. So you're trying to hit a very low pitch shot. And that really t teaches you good contact, good solid left wrist for a right-handed uh, player, left wrist uh, flat at impact. So, yeah, I definitely go with the short game. Well, would you – I'm sorry, go ahead, Sean. No, just to interject, the, the vast majority of golfers, especially at the start of the season – are going to immediately go to the range. They're going to grab their five, six, or seven iron, and they're going to start making big swings with their five, their six, their seven iron. And next thing you know, we have a, a mishit fat. We're hitting the top of the golf ball. We're hitting shanks. We're hitting pulls. We're hitting slices. And then the frustration sits in. And then, you know what? Maybe some of those golfers just leave the game in general because they get so pissed off that they're not even doing anything well. So that player that I just described, if that's you and you're using a five, a six, a seven iron to start your practice session, take Bruce's valuable input, take a, a golf club with more loft and just work on that, that feel of just a pitch shot and just get that, that leading edge, get the face to move down and make contact with the ball, make contact with the turf, make a slow and small swing and then add layers to it. So would it, would it be analogous to the old Harvey Penick and, 
Hogan thing where you actually start at the green and work backwards? I could love you, that. Could you correlate it to that? Well, I mean, I just, I just think that the pitch shot is kind of a mini golf swing, and that, that you, once you can do that correctly, and most people can't that are average players, you know, low handicappers, that's a little bit different, but uh, high handicappers, they, they can't pitch the ball at all, and it, it shows up in their whole swing. If they learn to pitch the shot, they're actually the golf swing will get better. Plus, their short game's better anyway, so they're going to score better. So it's just a good way to start. Yeah. Okay. Sean, you were going to say something? Well, I mean, if you think about stats, you've got 40% of the score on the greens, and then inside, let's just say inside of a 100 yards might consist of 60% of the player's score. So why not start there and then work your way back to hitting a full seven iron and then a driver. But, you know, again, going back to the, what the typical amateur does, they'll take the seven iron or a driver and they'll start warming up and they'll spend an hour on the range with those two clubs, building some potential frustration. Then they'll go to the practice screen and hit maybe four or five putts and then head to the first eight. Yeah, that's um, well, you guys uh, on the range there at Langdon, you see that all the time. I mean, uh, Bruce, you know, pounded nails in my head a few years ago and said, this is the way you warm up properly. And so I, I try to do that with with wedges or, a, you know, pitching wedge or a nine iron or something, whatever I have to have handy and then work backwards from that. Sometimes I don't even get out of the of the really lofted clubs short clubs i don't i just work with those and i've carried my uh you know five iron or something for not but it doesn't matter that works best for me so here's another one <laughs> kind of ties into this should a high handicap amateur uh worry about the mental aspect of their game if they really want to get better to get out there and uh you know have a good pre-shot routine and uh you know not have a uh, negative last swing thought. You can't you can't avoid looking at the lake or the trees, but you can think, well, if I do what I've been doing and I swing toward this target here, this part of the green, I'll be okay. So your last swing thought should always be positive and, and not negative. If you do that, then you're going to do better. John? Yeah, I, I think piggybacking on a lot of what he said, it's, uh, you know, Bruce makes some valid points and Understanding a player's tendency is really what it comes down to. We're going to take a break here on grilling at the green. We're going to be back with uh, Bruce and Sean right after this. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of grilling at the green. Grilling at the green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got Bruce Furman and Sean Lanny today. Boy, do I feel like a sandwich today between the two of you there. Um, if you want to email us, it's very easy. Just go to info at grillingatthegreen.net. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. All the platforms were out there. So I asked these two fine gentlemen to come on the show at the same time today. They're both part of the show. And uh, but they both are really excellent teachers. So I wanted to get their take on this. And what we're what I'm finding is, regardless of how it's uh, articulated, 
there's always one basic point to each of these questions, and they're both hitting on at the same time. So I think that's great. Okay. Next question, guys. All aspects of your golf game make up, obviously, 100% of your game. What importance should golfers put on their putting game, and how often should they practice putting? Go ahead, Sean. Uh, that's a loaded question. It depends on where the player's at, what they want to actually get out of their game, what their goals are. But um, you've got three components of being a great player on the greens from a, from a putting and a green reading perspective. You have to control uh, the understanding of what you actually read from a break perspective. So you have to determine how much break the ball is going to actually be influenced by and then you have to determine how you aim. You have to understand your tendencies. And then you have to control pace and speed. Uh, not even getting into the mechanics, just understanding that you've got three skills. You've got to read it. You've got to aim it. You've got to control speed. Um, I would say that a, a player at least has to practice with the mindset of 20 minutes in an hour focused on just their putting. So it may be some speed drills. It may be some start line drills. I actually like the concept of the golf tee being the imaginary golf hole so that the player doesn't have the make and the miss, which is the psychological success and failure. So the player puts a tee in the ground. It's three golf balls away from the tee at varieties of dis distances and then hits the three balls back to the tee and just focuses on the ability to watch what the ball does, watch how far it goes, and then hit those balls back to the tee and build some confidence in their overall abilities. Um, every player is different. The higher level players are going to be a lot more in tune with the start line skill and the precision of the read because uh, they're pretty good with speed control. But the vast majority of amateurs are going to need to actually physically hit the ball some specific distance and control their tendencies of hitting it too far, or too short, and knowing how to actually tighten that up. Okay. Bruce? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, speed is important, obviously, in, in line and, and uh, to make putts. Uh, for the average amateur, uh, I think speed is, is more important. Uh, they'll, they won't three-putt very much if they can get it the right distance. And like Sean said, uh, you practice from different distances. I like to get people to start from like 15 feet, then go to 25 feet, 40 feet, and then hit putts up to the edge of the the, the green and see how close you can get to right on the edge of the green and just so just to practice your control of your distance to, to feel the length of your stroke get longer and shorter for the the distance control and uh, you know hit the ball, putt solid and if they can do that then they're uh they got a chance to make it but uh they're gonna uh, have three-point avoid avoidance which will help them lower their score so in in putting do you uh you have your students focus more on on the speed and distance control or on the line because we've seen a lot of uh you know we've got aim point we've got people out there plumb bobbing and, and i'm fine with all of it whatever works for the individual person or what they've been taught that's good but a lot of the weekend warriors get out there and they're kind of looking at the line and you know, they're putting straight at it when it's got a huge break to the left or something. Some of those greens at Langdon, you know, you got to kind of pay attention to that or here down where I live at the OGA. So how important is it to read the line without 
you know, breaking out a sextant and, uh, you know, road measuring devices. Well, Jeff and Bruce, I mean, how well can your eyes measure curve? Depends on what I've been drinking. <laughs> uh, well, let's say it's a single batch of bourbon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So let's let's say that you're dealing with the putt and you're looking from the ball to the hole. Basically, like we have with your backdrop, we have a sheep ranch backdrop behind you, Jeff. I've got a ball that's looking towards the actual flag, towards the ocean. I'm looking and seeing one thing with my eyes. If I were to walk to the other side, I'm probably most likely going to get a completely different picture. Optically, my eyes cannot actually physically measure curve. And if, in fact, I do use my eyes, most likely I'm going to see two different images and then I'm going to have to make a glorified guess at what the putt's going to do, which is why I'm firmly a believer in Aimpoint Express. I'm mm-hmm. a, uh, a level three coach that travels all over the, really the West coast. I just got back from Horseshoe Bay uh, resort last week. And, you know, regardless of where you're at in the world um, you know, I think Bruce and I, we like to see our players actually make confident decisions and uh, eliminate guessing around the greens. And and so Aimpoint allows at least my players, uh, and I, I see quite a few of Bruce's players for putting, um, but if you can actually physically read a slope with your feet and you can feel the tilt of the slope, you can actually make a very educated, very uh, accurate choice in how much the ball is going to break. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually line yourself up to that line and you can predict exactly how much the ball is going to break based off the speed that you hit a putt with. And that's very different than the crouch and the walking circles around the ball in the hole and routines that take a lot of time. Um, I think, I think it's important for players to make very accurate, quick decisions when they're on the greens. Yeah. Cause he likes yeah. to play golf in six hours. I personally can't stand it. Bruce. <laughs> uh, yeah. Eight points. A great way to, to, to learn to read greens. Uh, architects, uh, designed, uh, greens, uh, to fool you. You know, put mound here, mound there. You look around, it's hard to tell just visually whether uh and then you know there's other factors but uh, uh using your feet like uh, sean said uh is a great way to read putts so i'd highly recommend uh taking an aim point uh putting lesson from sean there you go okay well we're going to take a lesson from our sponsors and we're going to be back in about two minutes right here on grilling at the green don't go away oh i get blue in the morning I get blue in the evening too. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. And I'm going to tell you, they, we've got a week or so left in their special. You can go to the Painted Hills website. They've spruced up their online store. You can order what you want, no matter where you are in the country. Uh, when you go to checkout, there's a little thing on the bottom left hand of your screen where you can punch in a code or a coupon or whatever. Uh, you just type in the code BBQ Nation. That's BBQ Nation, and you get 15% off your order. That's a Painted Hills Natural Beef. Comes right to your door. 
uh, save you a trip to the grocery store. Also, the folks at Birdie Ball, uh, John Breaker and his crew back there in Evergreen, Colorado. Thank you for the support of this show and the products that they make. And don't forget that uh, Grilling at the Green is on a number of stations around the country, uh, all the podcast platforms, but also iHeart's dedicated uh, golf news net radio channel. So there, I got all that in. We're talking with Bruce Furman and Sean Landy today uh, about some questions that a lot of these questions I've seen. Uh, if you go to the chat rooms online, I've had people ask me these in person and they should never ask me these questions. But the point is, um, some of these are, are very common and some of them are a little more intricate for the average golfer. So here we go. Here's a new one for you. Can a positive swing thought override a, a swing fault or flaw? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sometimes uh, you know if you have really good rhythm you can kind of overcome some things uh, but they eventually get to you 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 know it's it's good to have a positive swing thought i'm not saying you should again i you always should go up to your shot and your last swing thought should be positive and and uh, but if you got flaw in your swing you should work on it and uh, fix it so so that you're not going to fight it you know and I had a player this morning. He's my Wednesday morning at 6.30. And this guy shows up every week. And we work on no forward bend in his backswing. And as I'm, like, describing that, I'm actually moving into forward bend. And this guy literally uh, trained today to feel like he was actually looking like Sergio Garcia, moving him his body in the opposite direction that his, his upper body moves normally in his golf swing. So – even though the guy has to continue to fix the fundamental of not going into forward bend, which is basically his body leaning away from his target, he has to have a mental cue to at least remind himself because over the ball, the guy blanks out. He literally like his mind doesn't work and he goes into like a like a, a state of like falling asleep, I'll call it. And it's more humor than anything else, but I have to get him to remind himself of his task. I guess we'll call that a positive swing thought. <laughs> but he has to feel like he looks like Sergio Garcia in his golf swing. He has to feel tall. He has to feel again. It's a couple of different cues, but sure. I don't, I totally agree with Bruce. I think if you've got a flaw, it may work from time to time. If you have a positive thought, but that that's a bandaid and that bandaid is going to rip off the worst time when you need that golf swing to hold up under pressure. And uh, you definitely want to fix that flaw and you definitely want to have those positive thoughts and, and ways to manage your tendencies as a player. Um, personally, I have tried to put most all thoughts out of my head, except just hit the ball. Um, that's just, that's actually worked the best for me. Cause when I start thinking too much, that's how I got in the radio business years ago and look what it did for me. So I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, it works better for me just to kind of have not, not one or two or six running through my head. It's just like stand up there, uh, hopefully muscle memory and everything falls into place, which it does about every you know, 30 or 40 uh, strikes of the ball. And then um, I can go ahead and hit it like that. So do you worry about swing speeds on your amateurs or do you try to promote just solid, consistent contact with the ball? Go for it, Bruce. Go ahead. Well, um, 
obviously you got to make contact. I mean, number one fundamentals, probably center face contact. If you can't do that, doesn't matter how fast you're swinging, you're hitting the heel or the top of the club or the bottom of the toe or whatever. So mm -hmm. you got to be able to do that, but you want to do it with speed. You know, if you, it's more fun to be able to get to, to the holes in regulation and uh, be chipping up every time. So you, you need sure. to learn to do it with speed. But uh, you, you always have to start with center con face contact. John? Yeah, it has to depend on players. I mean, some players are – I mean, the vast majority of players are playing golf clubs that are the wrong flex, the wrong weight the wrong lie angle. So the equipment doesn't allow them to hit it in the center of the face. Um, you know, I, I had Michael Neff up here with uh, Gears Golf yesterday. We had a, a Pacific Northwest chapter education event, and we talked about how many ladies are playing soft and light golf clubs, and uh, they struggle getting the ball up in the air, and they struggle with hitting it straight. And you know, I think the, the equipment plays a pretty big role in that and in the ability to actually run the club into the ball and have, you know, the ability to hit the ball in a consistent fashion. So, um, yeah, so so check the equipment, check uh, the way that you're setting up to a golf ball and create some clarity to your mindset so you can get the most out of your game. But don't you find that most people that are just, say, starting or they're not too far into their quote-unquote golf career, uh, They've either gotten clubs that somebody's given them. Um, maybe their husband or wife bought them a set off the rack at, you know, Dick Sporting Goods or whatever. Uh, or second swing, some of those types of things to uh, see if they really liked it. So there's, uh, to me, and um, this is just observation on my part, but I, I see a lot of that to kind of the mindset is, Okay, we're going to start with these, and then if if Barbara really likes it, we'll get her a set of really good clubs. Yeah, and I would I would suggest that because um, I did it that way a million years ago. Okay, so some old clubs I found in the in the garage at the farm when I was a kid. I think it would have behooved everybody to get a fitting right from the get go. It's not that expensive. Uh, you know, unless you're trying to buy a whole set for 90 bucks or something, but that's what I would recommend is get those clubs fitted. And then you can, um, you know, work on that solid, consistent contact. My thoughts anyway, um, to ensure your game does not suffer, should golfers make quote unquote swing changes to cope with weather conditions. And I mean, I think that's an appropriate question for here in the Northwest because you know, it's going to be 80 degrees here. And four days ago, it was in the low 40s. So like Bruce said before the show, we jumped from kind of the end of winter into summer. The spring kind of went out the door. Yeah. So we, we get a lot of weather conditions. We get a lot of uh, wind and we get a lot of rain. So should people try to be consistent and just hit it the same no matter what the weather is? Or should they say, okay, it's... Uh, I'm not talking about direction with the wind blowing and stuff, but just the different uh, humidity, the moisture, uh, soft fairway, soft greens, et cetera. Well, golf is a complete game of managing your adjustments for those conditions. And then more importantly, managing the emotional state of 
how you're actually playing the game. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that a golf swing has to change because of a condition, but I would say that adjustments have to be made possibly to ball position, possibly to the aim so that the ball can enter a green from a correct direction. So it could hit a firmer mm. piece of the putting green so that you avoid the rough. So like I'm, I'm going down that road of uh winter golf versus summer golf. You'll take dead aim at your landing spot in the winter because the ball is going to hit and stop where you'll be a little bit more conservative in a firmer condition. And you've made that adjustment for the firmer condition. So the ball lands and then runs because that firmer condition is forcing you to play to a front portion of a green versus in the winter. Why would you aim to the front of the green when the ball is going to land and it's going to spin back 20 feet? So that's, I, I think the constant adjustments and controlling emotions are huge, but I wouldn't change a golf swing. I mean, Bruce, you, you are a fantastic full swing coach. Um, spill your beans on that. I think that's a good question for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you should just develop your golf swing uh, to the best of your ability, you know, based on your time, your athletic ability and so forth. And, you know, get someone that help, can help you develop a, a good golf swing that's relatively on plane, that you have the club face in a good position. And uh, once you can hit the ball solid, you know, a lot of the times in the sweet spot and you can kind of rely on your swing, uh, then you can make some adjustments for weather. My list of questions is lengthy for Bruce and Sean. So some of that will spill over into after hours. Anyway, we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm Jeff Tracy, along with Bruce Furman and Sean Lanning. Uh, Bruce is the uh, Director of Instruction at Langdon Farms, and Sean is the Director of Junior Instruction, Junior Golf at Langdon Farms, if I got the titles right, uh, if not close enough. Um, we're going to, uh, just a little heads up here, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Lisa uh, Cornwell on, her new book, Troublemaker. I've read it. I got an advanced copy. Great book. Anyway, we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. So back to these uh, intricate questions I came up with. I want to go back to uh, your practice uh, a little bit. Uh, what uh, do you normally recommend when it's when the start of golf season again? And and what I'm talking about is the percentage of time hitting shots, the percentage of chips and putts and bunkers, the percentage of 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 uh, putting. Um, that uh we we kind of touched on that but you know right now here in the northwest some people are picking up the club for the first time this year so i wanted to kind of get that breakdown a little bit the people who are listening to the show going yeah i should only spend you know 10 percent of my time hitting full shots and 70 percent of my time hitting chips and pitches and bunker shots and 20 percent doing putty what have you jeff the player that has a half hour or an hour or 90 minutes or two hours, however much time they can devote to golf. I right, just would right. at least try to get one of uh, one of my players to really just realize there's a 20, 20, 20 rule. If they have a stock one hour window, 20 minutes can be broken down to putting 20 minutes for wedge game. 
chipping, pitching, bunker play, 20 minutes for your full swing. So the, the practice plan needs to be built around those concepts of what their strengths and weaknesses are. But I would definitely at least say roll putts, do something strategic for putting, something specific for wedge game, something for your full swing. And literally go do something else or go, you know, go home and get all your chores done. But at least you spent your time productively. Yeah. Bruce? Well, you know, you should, and I think the programs for this, if, if you're really anal about it, but uh, you should analyze your, your game and where's your weak points, where's, where's your strong points. And humans, me, everybody, I think, like to practice what, what we're good at. So if <laughs> yeah. you're uh, good at driving the ball and you're not so good at the wedge, you tend to do that or vice versa. But you should spend more time on your weak spots and, and then, uh, it, but you have to practice all areas of your game. You have to have a good short game to, to score. You have to have a long game and mental game, management game. Those those things are all important. But I'd always spend a little more time on, on your weak weak areas. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, that, again, there are, there are programs out there where you can analyze your game and it you can usually, even without the program, you can know which one, which, which part of your game is the weakest part. Sure. And I was more time on that. Okay. Well, let's jump ahead then. Then, what is one piece of <clears throat> equipment and or training aid? Uh, there's a lot of them out there. And like Bruce told me one time, most of them don't work. But uh, what piece of equipment or training aid do you recommend every golfer should have in their bag when they're going to practice? Maybe it's in the backyard at home. I don't know. I think they need to have an alignment stick at the very least. Uh-huh. And if somebody needs anything that's specific to the way the hands, the wrist, the arms work, the power package is a fantastic, simple training aid to get the hands, the wrist, the arms to synchronize the motion of the golf club, how it swings back and swings through. Those would be my two suggestions. Okay. Bruce? Uh, I like uh, it's an old uh, old training aid, but I think it's still effective. Uh, the swing fan they call it. Uh, it's got big fins, and you swing in, and it has uh, wind resistance, so it mm-hmm. makes it uh, uh, it helps you with speed, but it also helps you uh, to, with what we call the release, so that you don't release it early. I get the one with the smallest fins because <laughs> that wind resistance really strong. But I, I might I might look at one of those and. Uh, the launch monitor. There's some, uh, you know, affordable ones for two or three hundred bucks. They're they're not bad to practice with to get your distances down. And, and alignment sticks, like Sean said, those are important. So you can use your own clubs, but I, those alignment sticks are cheap. I'd get a, get a couple of those and use those when you practice. You practice with those we call block practicing, where you're practicing your alignments, and then sometimes you take them away and you practice at different targets, just like when you're out on the golf course. So sure things i would do okay <clears throat> we're going to continue this discussion in after hours but we want to thank bruce and sean for uh joining us and putting up with me this morning on grilling at the green uh you can like i said you can find out more information about both of them by going to uh, langdon farms under the instruction and then um they've got facebook pages and twitter accounts and all that stuff so uh, we're going to post how you can find these guys too on our social media. Um, but come back and listen to the after hours. So Sean Bruce, I thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate so much. Guys. Great. No problem. Great.
We'll be back next week. Don't go away. Enjoy your week. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.